All right, welcome to this edition of Morgan the Asphor Podcast. Guest with us tonight, special one, Trevor's vacation in Florida for work. He says it's work, but it's just a vacation. Um, many of you have listened to this, know he's a frequent contributor. Um, Zach Tremel will join us tonight, and those of you at Steve Shetler Media, obviously Zach's been the the coach there at Serenity for several years of basketball and volleyball and, and everything else like that involved in the community and everything there. So again, thank you, Zach, for joining us with Trevor being out of town on vacation. You know, um, we're going to start with football and we're going to talk, you know, a little bit briefly about that. We'll be back next week with more of the Super Bowl preview. That That's the nice thing about having the two weeks off. I don't know if I really love the two weeks off. I understand it. Uh, but Trevor and I, next week, we'll get back into to really previewing the game. But just to kind of recap, obviously, uh, let's start with the Chiefs and the Ravens. I did pick the Chiefs, and, and obviously I was correct in that pick. And simply, I mean, if you listened last week, I just said I picked Mahomes over, over Jackson just to make the plays, and that's exactly what happened. Um, Lamar just couldn't make the plays down the stretch when when it was needed for his team. Um, and I know Zach was not able to watch the game, but just everything you've seen, heard, read, and then, you know, the Chiefs have been there before and the Ravens hadn't. And I think that's what showed during the game. And just in the aftermath, just looking back, I think more people would have picked the Chiefs just because they'd been there before. Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first to admit I picked the Ravens, but I am not shocked at all that you know, the Chiefs won. Like you said, I feel like both teams are defensively, they were probably about a push. They both had very solid defenses. Um, but when it all comes down to it, you know, Kansas City has the best player in the world and uh, it's hard to bet against them. But I just thought, you know, this might have been the Ravens year, but, you know, Lamar's going to have a lot of questions to answer again. I mean, he's a great quarterback, but is he in that level, you know, that top three or four tier? And that's still going to be the debate over and over until you know, he can win the big one in the playoffs. Yeah, he he's probably, or most likely, the odds-on favorite to win the MVP again this year. So he's going to be a two-time MVP, two-time number one seed, and never even get to the Super Bowl. That was actually his first AFC championship game. And first half, when they were playing well, he was able to run around. He got, you know, the Chiefs defense kind of let him do his thing. Second half, Chiefs changed up their defense and made him throw the ball. And just, especially that last interception, it wasn't necessarily the wrong read, but he had to go over the top and give his guy the only chance to catch it or incomplete pass. And he left it about four yards short, and obviously the interception happened. And so he just couldn't make that throw when when it was needed at crunch time. Yeah, and, you know, that's those are going to be the questions uh, again next year because, uh, you know, the Ravens are going to be right there. I think they have everything they need. Um, it's just a matter of sometimes Kansas city is just the best team and it's hard to beat them in the playoffs. And you gotta, you gotta, I don't know, make a few tweaks, but they, I mean, the Ravens have a very good team, but as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there, they're going to be right there in that, uh, in that AFC championship realm every single year, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, you know, just, you know, one bit of NFL news here. Um, Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, did take the Seahawks job today, so they will need to find a new defensive coordinator. But this was his first year as defensive coordinator with the Ravens. He was with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. He'd kind of been back and forth between the two Harbaugh's, and uh, he did take the Seahawks job today, so they will have a new defensive coordinator going forward. Yeah, and I again, I mean, he did a very good job with the Ravens. He made their defense much better. I don't know a lot about him. I mean – he has replaced in Pete Carroll, who I feel like is one of the best coaches we've had here in the last 30 years in all oh, of yeah. football. So, I mean, that's going to be a uh, a tall task. And Seattle seems to be a solid franchise, so I would think he's he's landing in a good spot to be successful. Absolutely. He's young. He's only like 37 years old. Um, so he's, he's a young guy. Um, you know, that's probably enough, enough of the game there. You know, obviously, I just don't know how you bet against Mahomes, even going forward in the Super Bowl. You know, obviously, you know, Chiefs are a local team here, 49ers. I mean, I'm, I don't have any, you know, don't really care who wins by teams wise, but obviously being a Cyclone fan, I like Brock Purdy, but I'm going to have a hard time picking against the Chiefs when the time comes to make some picks. 
Yeah, this is a very tough Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, you're going to hear the Mahomes versus the 49ers have everything, it, you know, except maybe a quarterback. But I think Purdy's kind of proved everything here, especially coming back from 17. But like you said, what you know, when the money's on the line, I always feel like the quarterback's the one. And Patty Mahomes is making an argument to be the greatest quarterback in NFL history. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he's the best player on the planet right now. So, yeah, that's not even an argument. After these playoffs, it has kind of solidified that, in my opinion. Yeah. So, just, you know, kind of going back to the 49ers Lions game, Lions get off to a fast, fast start, you know scoring their first few possessions and and Brock Purdy doesn't play as bad as he did last week but still wasn't great and then for some reason the second half comes and they make good adjustments this time and they made the plays and and he had a great second half and just as important as a couple of his throws is was his running and escaping sacks and then running and getting first downs and and you know 20 30 yards and I, th- I think the stat was he only had like nine less yards than Lamar Jackson running total. And so everybody's like, well, Jackson's a runner and he can do that. Well, Purdy on this day proved that he could do it when needed. Mahomes is one that can do it when needed. That's, you know, and we're going to get to that this in a little bit, but that's the difference in Iowa's quarterbacks. They physically cannot do that. And in today's football, you have to have a quarterback that can do it. Doesn't. You know, maybe not first, second, but at third, you know, he's, you know, escaped it. The play is just, you know, in scramble mode, you have to be able to move the chains with your feet if necessary. Yeah, he made some big plays, obviously, in that game to get them back in it. You know, there's going to be some fourth down calls that you're going to question a coach on, but ultimately got to give the credit to, to the 49ers for making all the plays. I mean, they put themselves in a major, major hole and, uh, were able to overcome that, and that's probably something they do. You know, maybe one out of fifteen games, and they were able to do it on the biggest stage. So they've they've got to be coming in with all sorts of confidence right now into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you you can say that two of the worst games they played all year were the first halves of the two playoff games, and then you know they turned it on in two straight fourth you know fourth quarter comebacks for Brock Purdy and the offense, and that's kind of been Kyle Shanahan's bugaboo is he gets a lead and then they never give it up just the way his offense is run and everything. But if they get behind, he could just never catch up. And obviously the last couple of weeks have been a little bit different, but they're looking a little bit here. All right, let's not get behind like they've been. And, you know, obviously the offense wasn't very good, but the defense was really bad in that first quarter, first half. And and they changed what they were doing against the Lions. And it showed, I, I think, their plan or whatever thought was happening uh, did not work and and it showed and then they had to make a change and that that shows a good coaching staff as well Uh, they knew it it wasn't working and they made the critical change and then the players made plays and then getting with Dan Campbell in the fourth down I didn't agree with all the calls but that's what he does it's how they got there the players know what's going to happen you know the biggest thing I had was not even the fourth down play, but when they were down there, scored their last touchdown, they threw it on first down, they threw it on second down, they ran it on third down and had to take a timeout and then scored on fourth down. But that was the one that got them. Um, It made it so they had to get the onside kick. And then this is a whole nother argument you could spend a lot of time on, but the rules for the kicking and the onside kick essentially make it impossible to receive an onside kick. I don't know. Something needs to be changed with the the kickoff rules or something. Either just totally take it out of the game, or change them back to at least make it exciting because it's ninety nine percent a a touchback or just a fair catch. Now it's just they've taken it out of the game, and that's a little bit for situations like that. It's sad. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's they don't want people getting hurt, but yeah, that I mean, to recover an onside, like you said, is near impossible, but. Um, you know, getting back to Detroit in that second half with Dan Campbell, he, he didn't make, you know, he's, you're going to get second guess when you blow a 17 point lead and, you know, miss a go for it on those fourth downs. But if you look at what he's done at Detroit, it's probably one of the best coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, the way he's over, yeah. you know, turned around that program and got him from 
where they probably should be playing in the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, and and, and it wasn't his fault that Reynolds dropped two passes. One was an easy one across the middle they should have just caught. The other one would have been a good one off to the side, but NFL receivers should make those catches. So Yeah, for sure, but uh, I mean, Detroit had a hell of a season, and you know they're going to be one of the favorites next year, I would think, but we all know how the NFL is. Things can turn so fast, and you know, you look at a team with three or four wins, all of a sudden could be right there next year. So, you know, Detroit looks promising, but again, I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up eight and eight or eight and nine next year, something like that. Cause it's just how the end up. It's hard to stay on top in the NFL. Absolutely. And I did like this about uh, Dan Campbell is, you know, I think he said at the, in the post game or to his team, whatever that, Hey, this might've been our only chance. And, and he's right because you just never know the team that, you know, you think is is one step away, doesn't get there the next year, injuries happen, whatever. You know, a couple free agent moves, a coach moves on. You know, a, another coaching thing, a big move for them is they got to keep their offense coordinator. Sure sounded like he was going to go to the commanders. And I don't know if he changed his mind or just decided not to or the Lions made a, you know, a, a pay increase, whatever, to to get his services, to keep his services, whatever. But Ben Johnson's staying instead of going to a head coaching job. So I think that is big for the Lions, and so that's a, that's a great situation for them. Continuity is never bad. Yeah, and like you just getting back to what you said with Dan Campbell saying, you know, we may never get back. You, I mean, you look at Dan Marino; he goes to the Super Bowl, what as a rookie quarterback, and they're probably thinking we're going to be there. Five or six times, and they never really come close again. So, you know, they got a lot of pieces coming back. Like you said, the the O coordinator is staying, which you don't see that in the NFL a whole lot when, you know, they're all trying to get to that next level. But, um, again, they they definitely look promising. I mean, that division is starting to take shape all of a sudden with Green Bay. All of a sudden looks very promising. You know, the Bears have all sorts of picks and decisions to make. So, um, and the Vikings, you know, if they re-sign Kirk Cousins, that's all of a sudden turns into a, a pretty strong division. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Bears have to – they've got to figure out what they're doing. Obviously, they've hired their coordinator now. So, and obviously that situation, that they almost had to have already made a decision, I would think. You know, but who knows? And then – but they're going to have all kinds of picks no matter what. So they're going to get good players. You know, if you keep fields – I think you if you stay at one, you just draft Harrison at one, and then you go about your business. But who knows? Or they can trade it down and and get a couple more picks. But yeah, Packers looked good. Jordan Love looked real good. Vikings are never bad. You know they're always a five hundred team. And then you know I I do think if they resign Cousins, they're going to be you know ten and seven or whatever playoff bound most likely. I think they were on their way to the playoffs this year if you would have been healthy the whole year. And then the Lions are going to be there, so that's three. And then the Bears, who knows? But uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. And, yeah, that that's what's, love, what, what's just great about the NFL. Is you just don't know. You get a good draft pick. Just like, you know, the Lions draft this year. You know, Campbell was a, was a part of that from Iowa. Laporta ended up being an absolute stud. I don't think anybody saw that coming where he was – he was first team, you know, all pro as a rookie, beating out other Hawkeye tight ends, you know, as a rookie. So, yeah, there's Laporta, Deion Branch was another one. So they hit on their draft. And if you go three for three with your draft, you can flip flip your uh, script real fast. Yeah, I mean, that, that division, like you said, I mean, that's what's great about the NFL. We could sit here and talk about that division for an hour, but, yep. you know, the Bears are obviously going to be the the main topic, I think, coming into uh, the draft, and obviously that's Trevor's probably favorite. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll probably spend an entire episode just talking about the Bears and what they do and what they should do and what they will do, and, and then sometime they're going to have to make a decision and probably announce it, you know, keep fields or trade fields and, you know, if somehow they could get a first round out of fields, you have to trade him. I mean, I yeah, just I think they're going to trade. I don't think you're going to get a first rounder, but I no. think you might get second and a fifth. And because yeah. the thing is, you're going to have to sign him to a big deal and you right. might as well get 
get Williams on a rookie contract. I right. mean, because that's all it's about. You know, Fields is electric, but he's also has not, like you say, he hasn't won many games. I mean, he kind of, I think they need, he needs a fresh start. He's got the potential to be very good. Uh, I think, uh, you know, financially for the Bears, it makes sense to get Caleb Williams and then you still got a stockpile of picks and, and you just go from there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now let's go to uh, college football here. Um, Tim Lester, and it was officially announced today. It came out Friday, but, you know, and it's always, I was listening to radio this morning and they were talking, why isn't it officially announced? What are some reasons? One, you know, when, when, when coaches, head coaches agree to become the head coach, they sign like a letter of a understanding or agreement it's not a contract, but it's definitely I'm coming. We agree to pay you. We you agree to come here. Assistant coaches, I don't know if they do that. And so I don't know if it took finally, you know, all the, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted till today. Or, you know, did he have some reservations or you know, you just don't know what it all took or you know, I, I think one thing that could have been a, a little thing was there's still one more coaching spot to open to fill on the offensive side. And is Kirk gonna hire that? Is this guy gonna hire his a guy to come with him to help install his program? And you just don't know. And but today it was official. Tim Lester is the offensive coordinator at Iowa. It's very much on brand. I mean, I don't I'm not surprised at this hire. I didn't know this name until um, you know, three days ago, four days ago, right before it was announced. Uh, but he has been a head coach, so I think that maybe holds some clout to Kirk Ferentz and will help him do that. He played quarterback um, at Western Michigan and in, in the XFL. So ho- I'm assuming he'll be the quarterback's coach, which was needed. And, you know, they weren't going to go hire a young guy it's it's who everybody wanted but they weren't gonna go hire a young guy that goes run and gun it just wasn't gonna be in the cards with Kirk Ferentz and so it's gonna be a a sleepy hire I would have liked to seen someone a little bit more well known but you never know maybe may end up really good yeah I mean I'm it's not the flashy hire and you know no one's heard of him but when you start to look at things I mean they're and you follow Twitter, people are exploding on the hire, how bad it is. But right. again, they want to show his record at Western Michigan, which he, in my opinion, he was 500 there. And how many of those times you get paid 500 grand to go to Ohio State and get your butt kicked? Right. I mean, you're just throwing out probably two losses a year just doing that. So, right. and, and you made a good point. He's a quarterback. I mean, that's a big upgrade from what we had before as an offensive coordinator. So he, he obviously sees the field. He's he's he was a very successful quarterback. Um, so, you know, I'm the in the wait to be seen, but I don't think it's a bad hire by any stretch for like you said, Kirk Ferentz was not gonna change his offense too much. Um, but I, I do think this is a step in the right direction and as long as we can make, you know, around the seventy five, eightieth best offense in the country, we should be very successful. That that's what's so funny is no one's asking to be a top 25 offense. It's just top 75, you know, heck even a hundred might be good enough. And that that's what is funny about this whole thing. And I think it will be interesting if I'd like to see them go get a receivers coach. That's, that's really young, like a, almost like a coordinator at some place like Morningside that, you know, they score all kinds of points. They, Morningside scores 60 points a game. And just go hire him, give him the receivers, you know, let him sit and learn behind, you know, Lester, who's been a head coach at the the division one level and let him grow as a, as a coach. And, but, you know, kind of all the piss and vinegar of a young, young coach there. Yeah. I mean, we need something, you know, to inject a little enthusiasm in the offense uh, because like you said, we've watched it here for the last five years basically and it just progressively got worse and worse and uh i mean but just you know jumping off the nfl with patrick mahomes we got to find something at the quarterback spot i don't care who your offensive coordinator is if if we can't get something better than deacon hill or spencer petrus i don't care how great of a 
play caller you are, you are going to struggle in the Big Ten to move the move the football. Absolutely, and I believe it's only going to get a little bit more. I mean, those new teams coming in aren't going to change. You know, Nebraska said they're changing. You know, the the league's going to have to change for them, and heard Oregon say that, Washington say that, or whatever. No, the, the league's not going to change. Those teams are going to go a little bit more like a Big Ten team, but it will give them a little bit more spread looks. So you're going to have to probably score five more points a game when you play those teams than before. You know, they're they're going to score 30 a game instead of Northwestern at 24, in my opinion. So you're, you yeah. might have to beat them 33 to 30 instead of 27, 24 at Nebraska or at uh, Northwestern. So I do think you have to have the capability of scoring a few more points against those new teams. Yeah, you're going to have to score more, and I think you will. I mean, they're they are offensive minded on the West Coast. Their defenses aren't quite. I mean, I would say Utah out there maybe had the best defense, but right. I mean USC couldn't stop a good high school team. So I mean, they're they're in basically in the same boat as Iowa trying to fix yeah. their defense and. Uh, so it'll be interesting. There'll be some fun matchups here with these new teams and uh, just to kind of see how things shake out. But, you know, in the end, I feel like it'll probably still come down to Ohio State and Michigan when 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 the dust settles. Yeah, I mean, Michigan obviously hired their offensive coordinator with, with Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. And that is, he probably earned it, don't kid yourself, but there's also a lot of that in staff continuity as much as there can be. Obviously, Jim probably is going to take a couple of them or a few of them to the Chargers with him. But he's, you know, Sharon Moore is going to keep the bulk of them, I would assume. And then number one is you can keep your roster as best as can. They're losing a ton of guys just to graduation, <laughs> excuse me, into the draft. But everybody that can and, and it is and should come back will probably stay at Michigan instead of leaving. Uh, to go everywhere else they could have. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't know what to think on that hire. I get it. It's the safe play, but don't kid you. I guarantee that the folks in Columbus, Ohio are ecstatic about the hire because I think Ohio State thinks they're going to take over the Big Ten here for a while with Harbaugh gone. So I think Michigan will be fine in the short term. I want to see, you know, three, four years down the road how he's doing then, and then we'll, then we'll, well determine that, I mean, that hire. I mean, it's the exact opposite as when Urban Meyer left and Ryan Day took over. Michigan was jumping in the streets. Hey, Correct. Urban Meyer, who we couldn't touch, is gone. And then, you know, it took a few years, but then Urban Meyer has now, you know, his all his players are gone, and now it's all Ryan Day, and then Michigan hasn't lost to them. I mean, it's the exact opposite. So I, I 100% agree with you that Mich- Michigan is going to have to be a little bit worried, I think, you know, next year they're probably still going to be good. I, I'm going to still pick Ohio State because Michigan just loses so much. And and I think that's one of the reasons why Jim Harbaugh left to go to the Chargers is there is going to be a little bit of step back just because of how many players that they're losing to the draft. And, and that's what happens when you win a national championship. You have a lot of good players. Yeah, I mean, Harbaugh left at the perfect time. I mean, he probably left as the – you know, on top of college football, he was he was working his way up there with this with Saban, obviously with just what he's done. Uh, but for you know Ryan Day, I, the guy doesn't lose in the Big Ten unless it's to Jim Harbaugh. And he about yeah. lost his job over it, so he he should. I mean, their recruiting classes are insane at Ohio State right now. He's got he's got a ton of pressure on him to probably, if not win, and he better be in the playoffs for dang sure. I think they'll wow. be a coach change at Ohio State he's probably he, I mean next year with the 12 team playoff he can't just get to the playoffs he's probably got to get to the semis and maybe even the final you know in my yeah. opinion I mean you can almost yeah I mean I think you can just them in Georgia I mean I would pencil them in the playoffs today and I have no I'd bet all my money that I bet on those two teams in the playoff Oh, for sure. I, I was and when you said that I forgot I was saying he better make the playoffs in the final four. But yeah, yeah. we go to next year. Those two, you know, they are a lock. I mean, I, I worst case I would say Ohio State maybe yeah. has losses, but I don't right. see that. Maybe one. Yeah. 
probably say they're undefeated. So same with Georgia. I mean, as good as the SEC is, but they're not going to lose much. And I think Ohio State at 10 and 2 is probably still getting in the playoffs. But again, better be in the semis championship game. Yeah, they probably better win a game in the playoff. So, all right. um, Let's move on to. basketball here we're gonna have a a few minutes here before our break but uh let's talk cyclone basketball first since they've not played as as recent it was an eventful week you know we we record this wednesday nights and and last wednesday night was very eventful at iowa state Um, kansas state was in town Uh, iowa state comes back and and gets the win but the win loss really was the least news story Jerome Tang is accusing Iowa State of videoing their their uh, huddle and and texting or whatever, however you communicate it to the coaching staff. And then Iowa State obviously denies it. Really didn't say much that night. But then, you know, kind of back-channeling the Kansas City Star, Wichita paper, kind of, you know, much more saying what was actually done. But no official word from Kansas state in this situation. As of today, there still isn't. Um, And then Saturday after the Kansas game, you know, TJ, you know, just absolutely denies it and whatever. And Jamie Pollard denies it to uh, Seth Davis there at CBS. And really nothing's been said since that I know of. I've been refereeing a lot of basketball, so I haven't been home till eight, nine o'clock every night. And then Iowa State hasn't played since Saturday. So, um, obviously, I'm a little biased as a Cyclone fan and listening to the Cyclone podcast and stuff. And the guy that does that was sitting courtside right behind the seats, and he did not see anything. He does know that, uh, like he said, whether something happened or not, he does believe that Kansas State thinks something happened because they did change where they were having their huddle. And they were flustered. He goes, there was something that those guys thought was happening because they changed everything they did during that game. So whether what actually happened happened, but Kansas State thinks something happened. Yeah, and I was there, I mean, the allegations or rumors that it happened twice before. Right. And, you know, it's a big, for the K-State coach to say that, publicly i mean i feel like you better have some hard evidence otherwise you know that's like accusing someone of rape when you never when it never even happens you you right. make them guilty right away and right and i owe a huge apology if it didn't happen but like you said it's kind of just died i don't know what's going on i mean i feel like we'd hear more about it and well kansas uh, state officially still hasn't said anything like yes it did happen no it didn't and that's where it's getting to me like well maybe it didn't happen but also, if it did happen, you know, you would think that there's channels to go through. You go th- probably through the big the conference, I would say, just like the Big Ten did with the Michigan thing. It was a conference deal where, you know, you go to the Big 12 conference, say, hey, we think this is happening. They investigate it, you know, whatever. And then, you know, where Harbaugh got suspended. And if it did happen, Otzelberger suspended or, you know, reprimanded or, or whatever, at least some statement or something from the Big 12. But there hasn't been a Big 12 statement. There hasn't been a Kansas State statement. Only thing that only statement that's been said is the Otzelberger thing after Kansas. And that's yeah, what's I, a little bit weird to me, where somehow I did, I mean, I guess I'm assuming that I guess it's going away and nothing happened. And but yeah, you're hundred percent right. When you start blaming people for stuff, you better have a little bit of evidence anyway. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, like you said, it just could be done. I don't know. I know there's going to be, there's some bad blood there. That's going to be quite a trip to Manhattan when you guys go play there whenever oh, the game. Here, here's what's funny. So Chris Williams, he does the Cyclone Fanatic podcast and, and he's on other things and everything. He bought his parent, his parents live in, he's from Clorinda. So obviously Manhattan, Kansas isn't super far. He bought them for Christmas tickets to go to Manhattan to the game and and probably got good seats, probably got him from the head coach and everything. He's friends with him. And his dad called him or texted him after that game and said, I don't know if I want to go to that game. We might not make it out alive. Yeah. Especially, you know, with what you did to him in football as well, right. they're going to, it's uh, Iowa state's not real high on the K state list right now. That's for sure. So 
That'll be a that'll be a fun game to watch. And I think that's the last game. It's like March 9th. I mean, it's the it's late. It's one of the last games of the the season. So, you know, Iowa State, if they keep playing the way they are, they could be playing for a lot of big prizes at that game. Yeah, you know, my take on Iowa <laughs> they're very good and they're almost unbeatable at home. It's going to be can they win on the road? Can they yep. just like last year they got in the tournament and you know, lost early. They got to be able to. It's hard to win on the road in conference play. I get it, especially against. I mean, the Big 12's got so many teams that are ranked, but I would think they would be a top four seed the way that the years panned out. And they should, you know, have a legit shot to the Sweet 16. And then it's just a matter of it's who's just hot. Right time. Yeah. And then it, it's big. If they could get a three or four seed, which, you know, they got to keep winning games, the, the, the closest site where they would get advantage would be Omaha, and that would be absolutely huge. Um, you know, Kansas, Houston, whoever comes out on top will probably be there as well. Creighton cannot because Creighton is the host, so that helps them where Creighton cannot be there because they would be close to being able to be that uh, a home team there as well. So if they could get to Omaha, that place would be absolutely nuts with Cyclone fans. Yeah, I mean, do you ever think as an Iowa State fan, like, because you guys travel so well to the Big 12 championship that right. some people just don't want to travel the next week and you don't get that crowd like you do? Because down there you basically turn it into a – it's you guys in Kansas turning it into a home game. Well, yes and no. Um, you know, Iowa State promotes the heck out of going to Kansas City, and it is a party. Uh, and for the most part, it, it's, it's a guaranteed game, and – you know, there, there, there's guaranteed – the way it's been the last few years is the men and women play at the same time. So that's even been better. So you can go watch the women or the men and and whatever. And I think the Iowa State fans, you're 100% right, have said, let's do this instead of going to the NCAA tournament. Because sometimes the NCAA tournament, they might play in wherever. It could be could be close. It could, yeah, you went, you went and watched them in Louisville when the they lost – in the crowd yeah and 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 some of it is you just never know when you're playing in the NCAA tournament Thursday morning you know at 11 o'clock like you watched them in Louisville for a lot of people that's hard to get to now Louisville is not unbelievable you can drive that and you did you were headed on your way to Nashville and stuff but that's a hard thing to do for a lot of people but with the the big 12 tourney and what happens at Iowa State a lot is I would say their first game in the in the Big 12 tournament probably isn't super well attended, whether it's Wednesday, Thursday. But if they win a game and it's on Friday, they win another game and on Saturday, each day more and more people hit the road and make it for a game or two. So, yeah, when they play for a championship in the Big 12, it's crazy. But I would say that crowd's double or triple what it is on their first game. Yeah, that makes sense. That's for sure. And I, I've just, done that before. When I was in college, we uh, we didn't go down the first day, and then we went down, watched them. That was back when it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We left Friday. They they won, like, the first game Friday morning, and so we left Friday night and went to the game Saturday and Sunday. So Yeah, it'll be interesting again. I mean, the Big 12. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. Houston. Very- I think if you had to pick a team, it's Houston. And then I think you, you wouldn't be waste. I mean, you wouldn't be wasting your money putting a future bet on Houston to win the whole thing. I mean, you may oh. not win with it, but I don't think it's a waste of wasted bet. That's probably a pretty good bet. And would you be shocked if Kansas won it all? I mean, they're always seem nope. to be. I mean, no, actually, that's somebody said. I think it was. I was listening to Murph and Andy today, and I think. Either Murph or Andy said that this will be the team. Kansas doesn't have as good a team, but nobody's great. You know, they're, I, I truly believe nobody is great. That this is a year that Kansas does come and win the whole thing. When they're a little bit down, think about a little bit like Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they're not as good as they've been. I, I truly believe that. But how do you bet against them? Bill Self is really, really good. And getting back to Bill Self and, and Kansas against Iowa State, yeah, Iowa State won that game. But Bill Self, it's just hard not hard to root against him. Um, I watched his post game. 
there's video of him. I don't know if you saw, but Iowa State had a dancing cop doing the juicy wiggle with the dance team out there. He stopped. There's video. He stopped his huddle and turned around and watched that that cop do it and just smiled and just shook his head. You know, because one, he loves college basketball. Those guys are college basketball junkies, and he understands Hilton as well as anybody and how just crazy it is and just great a crowd and great atmosphere and great college basketball situation he was in and he enjoys it yeah i saw some i saw a thing on twitter too where one of the fans behind him like yelled at bill they said hey bill you look nervous and yep. he turned around and goes i am uh, yeah oh yeah you look stressed i think that was the word <laughs> yeah. might have been stressed i saw that yeah. i thought that was funny yeah i mean it's he just but you know he's he's been there forever he's won a lot a lot of basketball games He's won his fair share at Hilton. He's got beat his fair share at Hilton. And, you know, shoot, he could lose every game the rest of the year. And he never, and probably all next year, and still never have to worry about his job. So he's really not that stressed. Yeah. Like you said, though, the Big, the big 12 has so many teams, but I just think college basketball as a whole is just, I don't think it's ever going to be where you're going to have those dominant. I mean, you're gonna always going to have your blue bloods, but the level is just not as good as it used to be with, you know, players are going to the NBA or they're jumping to the G league. So it, it really opens the door to legitimately 15, 20 teams. If they got hot, could win the whole thing. I, in, in my opinion here for a while. Well, just look at Iowa state situation. What's happened is Iowa state has three forwards or big men that are 24 years old. Omaha Baloo's the most talented player on the entire roster. And he hardly plays. Because I don't care who, how good you are, or who you are. If you're 18 playing against 23 and 24 year olds, it doesn't work really well. This, I mean, you're just more mature physically, mentally, everything. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at just pure NBA stock, he probably has the highest, and yep. that's what's crazy about the NBA draft. I mean, they take these players in the top five that you don't even hardly. I mean. They'll be like Kentucky's fourth best player, and they're all of a sudden the second best. You know, they're the second pick in the draft. It's just, it's so much off of potential you know, per- perceived talent, and it's it's crazy. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back and and talk Hawkeye basketball when we come back. All right, welcome back to the second half of Morgan Yass for podcast with Zach Tremel tonight stepping in for for Trevor. Second half here is going to be all Hawkeyes for the most part. Um, I just got a, a couple texts from Chad Lysak out here at the register about Tim Lester's salary, one point one million from uh, tomorrow, February first uh, through January twenty five for the first year, and then one point three after that, um, and then a couple more things. So that makes him, according to Chad Lysak, seventh on in the Big Ten. Now, I'm assuming that that's the the Big Ten as of now. That doesn't include Washington because Ryan Grubb, I heard, was getting like $2.1 million this year. And I don't know what their new coaching staff is going to have, but I would assume the the USC offense coordinator and, you know, is probably getting a little bit more than a million dollars. But that makes him seventh in the old Big Ten at 1.1. Penn State, obviously, is semi-private and then Northwestern is private as well so those two schools don't do not uh, figure into that so you know out of what is there how many teams are in the big 10 right now 14 14 gonna be what 18 yeah yeah so 14 you know take away seven minus so seven out of and i would say probably penn state's coordinator gets more than that uh northwestern's probably not because they're a young staff and, and new this year but but i'd have no idea what they pay and then the other thing here, um, he does expect John Budmeyer to be named wide receivers coach uh, next week in a press conference. So some Hawkeye fans will be probably not happy with that hire. That's kind of the opposite of what we were saying. And go get a young guy with a little piss and vinegar to to change it up where Budmeyer's been the the Deacon Hill guy and the, you know, kind of de facto quarterbacks coach the last few years, I think. Yeah, but th- none of it really surprises mm-hmm. you. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, with Lester, with his contract, I mean, he's 
he's in one spot though. If he could turn that thing around and, you know, whip out a top 50 offense, he would be one of the hottest coordinators in the country and probably damn near double his, his contract in a year or two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If he changes Iowa to the top 50, um, he will be on every coordinator list and some head coaching list because since he's already been a head coach before. So yeah, he, he's got a, a lot of upside to that, to that job. And then um, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about this, but Caitlin Clark with 35 points again tonight, and she's moving up on those lists. I'll let you, you say those. I think we are correct in these couple things. Did you know, where she ranks all time in the Big Ten and then all time, all time. I think, I mean, with talking, she would be the all time leading scorer in the Big Ten and second yep. all time after 35 and 10 tonight at Northwestern, which. Yeah, they won uh, by 30 or whatever, didn't they? 36, covered the spread by one. So, <laughs> um, what's just crazy is looking at the prices of these women's tickets. Like, I was going to, I wanted to look at the Ohio State Iowa game here. It's in a few weeks. It's like $400 the cheapest ticket just to get into the door. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and just watch it at home. I'm not paying that price. But she is just transcending. I mean, the amount of money she is bringing all these schools in is is insane. There's no athlete in you know, college sports doing that right now. No, she's the biggest ticket in town, men or women. And, I mean, you think the price of tickets for her game, you know, you're talking $400 ticket. I know someone that paid, including you know the fees and everything. It was it was about two hundred dollars a ticket for a game last. What was what was the home game last week that they had? Not the Ohio State one. Obviously, that was on the road. But Nebraska. Yeah. Okay, that game. I think, yeah, the one that wasn't in the storm, but yeah, they paid just shy of two hundred bucks a ticket. You know, bought them on Seat Geek or whatever, and so probably hundred fifty dollars a ticket with about fifty dollars in fees. That's insane. And you can get in the you can seat geek get in the men's game for three dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Your <laughs> your fee there is is fifty cents because it's all rated on how much your ticket is. And and that's a whole nother let let's uh go ahead and transition to Hawkeye men's basketball. Uh tough loss last night. They were way down and then came way back and then ended up losing, uh giving up an eight oh run to end the game, I think, to lose by six. Correct. I, yeah, maybe it was it eighty four, seventy eight, or mm-hmm. seventy four six, something like that. Yeah, so that's a tough loss. Uh, you know, two tough losses last week with the Maryland home game, and then that one. That was a chance to get three wins, two road wins, and maybe turn your fortunes around and give yourself a chance at the bubble. Yeah, we would have won those three. You know, we're still not in. We're probably knocking on maybe the last four in, but right. that's kind of, I, in my opinion, we've popped our bubble. It's just, I don't know. There's just no excitement. I don't see this team, unless they can catch fire at the Big Ten tournament, that's about the next time I feel like there'll be any excitement. If they could rattle off, you know, two or three straight wins there, you might get a little excitement, but. This last week kind of uh, was rough for uh, being a Hawkeye men's basketball fan. Yeah, let's get into the big conversation about the attendance and just the the lack of fire in in Hawkeye basketball fandom right now. They've made four straight tournaments, five straight really, if you want to count the, the 2020 um, season because they would have been in there. They had player of the year, two-time player of the year in Luca Garza. Murray was right up there, you know, first-team All-American. So they've had good players. They've had good teams. Is it just the lack of success in March? Or is it Fran's attitude slash what is it that makes Hawkeye fans so have so much apathy right now in basketball? Yeah, it's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough question. I mean, you can't say it's like Carver Hawkeye. You know, it's not a great right. play because you can see what the women are doing right now. So and, and wrestling. So I mean, it's you know, yeah. it's not just. And I think that has something. I do think that has more to do with it than people admit. Is time and money is being spent on 
women's basketball games so much more now than it ever has. And, you know, some people are just choosing to spend their money and spend their time to watch her instead of the men. Yeah. And you're not going to, I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not driving to Iowa city to watch them play Maryland Eastern short eight o'clock on a Tuesday night. I mean, they're not going to get fans to show up at those type of games, but it's, you know, it's the big 10 games though, that are, they're not getting the attendance and, and, and Fran, I'm not, I think he's a very good coach. He's done great things at Iowa. Um, I just think it's it's time for a change for Iowa and Fran. I mean, Fran, Fran knows what he's doing. He's a winner. He's proven it. But it's just kind of hit that point where, like you said, we we've seen this a hundred times. We get to the tournament, nothing happens. Um, there's just I don't know. There's just no excitement around the program right now. I mean, if you're not winning and you have nobody sitting in your stands, it's it's going to be tough for him to keep his job i don't think he gets fired this year i could see him leaving right uh, kind of like a, a you know a steve alford greg mcdermott situation where exactly. neither one of them they were on the road to getting fired but neither one of them did they probably got out that year before and went on to have you know obviously mcdermott's had great success at creighton and alford had great success at new mexico and parlayed that into the ucla job you know and it didn't work out there but uh he did make an elite eight, I believe, at UCLA. But right, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could if Fran could find a job, I could see. I mean, he's his son's already said he's not coming to Iowa, so um, where he goes, I don't know. And he may come back, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on him next year to do something, and it better be more than just make the tournament. Um, I mean, and does you know Freeman's obviously a very promising player. So all of a sudden you see him throw his name in the transfer portal this year, that will really stir up the, you know, the Hawkeye contingent just because why wouldn't you, if you're a good player this day and age, throw your name in there, what kind of money you get. I, I, I mean, I've, I've turned on this. I, I was not, a, but I think everybody should put their name in the portal. What, and then make your decision and go back and, or go to wherever you want to go. I mean, probably the, the, it's free agency. Go see what you're worth. And if you want to go back, go back. If you don't want to, don't go back. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate it. The fact that this oh, I... is a, but if I'm the player or, you know, and I'm at Iowa and let's say I'm getting, I don't know if, if he's even what say he's getting a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. Probably not, but he I, throws... I would say he is. I, I've okay. been told um, that every, well, I don't, he might not be because he's a freshman, but every power five starter gets over a hundred thousand dollars. Now he wasn't a starter to start and he was a freshman. So he may not be, but, and I don't know what kind of recruit he was. Is he a top hundred recruit or whatever? That would change a lot for what he got. But I would, every Iowa state player is getting over a hundred thousand dollars on the roster. That's on scholarship. Yeah. Which is crazy. But uh, yeah, throw your name in there and let's say all of a sudden, I don't know, freaking. Virginia says we'll give you five hundred grand. Well, right. you you go back to Iowa and say, "Hey, I got this offer. Right, stay here." But you're, I mean, if I can get four hundred extra thousand, probably go to a better program. I mean, how do you not? I mean, right. yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm one hundred percent with you. I don't like it, but it's the way it is. And if I was that player, or I was that player's, you know, we're getting close enough now to be the player's dad, or just some relationship to that kid. Hey, let's go see it. Yeah. yeah, it's just a different world. I don't know if you ever if you saw Gino Ariema talk about coaching this day and age, and it's, it's, it's he's just like it's it's a terrible time to be a coach in in college because of all of the stuff that's going on, and yeah. they that's a topic for another day. But they've got to get these they got to get stuff in check. I'm all about players making money off of their name, but just to pay them, I don't they're, know. They're not making money off their name; they're just getting paid to play, like. You know, yeah, if, if you go to a car dealership and sign autographs for four hours and someone wants to pay $100,000 to do that, that's better than just getting paid $100,000 to show up. I mean, oh, I agree. they can do that if they want to, you know, if Kate, if I was selling Caitlin Clark's jerseys, she should get a portion of that. I agree. Yeah. But just to give her $2 million to come back just seems insane to me, which she could very easily get $2 million next year to come back to and, Iowa. And, and I would still make money. 
That's what it's like. Iowa, Iowa women are going to make money this year. And there's only about two programs in the country that do that on a yearly basis. And that's South Carolina and UConn. Yeah. I mean, they're going to make a gob of money and it's, they're going to have to throw her any amount she wants to come back. And, uh, and it's worth every dollar and she still might not come back. Yeah, she may not. I mean, Indiana would be a good place for her, but I feel like she will come back. I just don't see her playing in front of the crowd that she'll play in in front of college and the WNBA is there forever. Why not take advantage of college basketball? Like you said, this day and age where you can get paid more than what you're going to make professionally. And that's what, you know, we, we hit on this a little bit last year, but that, that golfer that won the, the amateur, you know, he's an amateur. So he did, couldn't get paid to uh, win that tournament, the $1.5 million or whatever it was, but Nike could sign him to whatever, or Ping could sign him to whatever Titleist, you know, he can sign all those deals and he probably already had some of those deals. And that's why he had to make a decision. And that's why he didn't play the next week because, you know, he was in some of the majors, but then he got picked out because he turned pro, but then was back in because he won a tournament. I mean, he had to sit down and do some real like, Hey, what's best for me. And I'm sure he got called by every manufacturer and he probably already had some agreements. I mean, he was, a very good golfer and, but he had big decisions to make and and he had to do it. And, but he wouldn't have had to turn pro right away to make money. And that's, what's, that's, what's good about it because he obviously was making it because he won a tournament. He wasn't getting paid just to be on the team. Now maybe they do, but he was going to make more money from Titleist or paying or whatever than anything Alabama was going to throw at him. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, and I think he made the right decision going pro. Yeah. He's he's very good. I mean, I think it was Justin Thomas said he's he's a college kid in a in a top ten body already. I mean, he's right. he's a very good talent. I could see him uh, easily finishing in the top thirty this year. Right, and he's already on well on his way. And it stinks that he doesn't get those FedEx Cup points for winning that that uh, tournament, but he'll be all yeah. right going forward. Yep. All right. Um, you know, kind of last thing with, you know, some of the, the issue with Fran is I do think having his kids playing for him has been a detriment to him because of what Patrick has been through, you know, with his mental thing and obviously his health just with cancer when he was younger and he just doesn't look healthy to me. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, just on his kids, I thought Connor. Connor was a great player. He got everything out of what he had, I thought. He got better as he was there. He turned into probably the leader of the team. He was one of the best in the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio. He could play one through four if need be. Patrick, freshman, was good, very promising. Like you said, he just looks like he's getting worse every year, and I don't know if it's a – if it's a health thing, it could be, and it's, you know, he's battled what cancer he's battled depression. Um, it's just a matter of, I don't know what's wrong with him, but they look better when he's not on the floor. Right. And that's Connor was your prototypical coach's kid is, is how I would say it. Knew all the correct plays to make. Wasn't the best athlete, wasn't the best player, but made winning plays. Now playing with Luca Garza helps makes you look really good, but I just I watch Patrick and I just he doesn't look like a coach's kid. He makes some bonehead plays in my book. And I, had, I mean, if he's going to play, health or not, if he's going to play, he can't make bonehead plays. And and like you said, they're better off without him right now on the floor. Yeah, he just he doesn't even look happy being out there. I don't know. It it yeah. just the whole it just yeah looks, just looks yeah it looks bad. And he, yeah, I don't know. It's it's rough right now with him, and that's probably some stress on Fran just naturally. And yep. it's just not. It's just a rough run right now, and it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting uh, off season for Iowa basketball. And do they have any? You know, like it's it's very changed. But used to know who the recruits were coming in, but now it's with the transfer portal. High school recruiting is way taking a step back it's not even that important you sign one or two kids is all and then you just go get 
you know, yeah. three or four transfers. And, and I think that has been a little bit of a detriment to Fran as well. And I think this would be a knock on him. None of his players leave, which is, I think, a good thing. But then also, he really doesn't bring in any high-end recruit, you know, transfers. Some of it is because he doesn't have anybody to leave to go get a whole bunch of guys. You know, like Iowa State has seven new players every year. And I think that's just going to be the way going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Omaha Baloo is very much, I mean, I would not, I mean, I would almost expect him to go to the transfer portal with him not playing this year. Maybe, you know, he sees all three, you know, guys in front of him are all seniors. So they're all going to be gone. So he's going to have his chance, but you know, it's hard to keep a McDonald's all American happy when he's not playing. I think. Yeah. I mean, he did get, was it Philip Robacha? He was pretty yeah. good, but outside of that, we had, like you said, a lot of it, the one thing with Fran, his players love him. I mean, his right. ex play they all, yep. they back him until, you know, and that's the side that the fans don't see. Right. I mean, and he, see- and his players get better. Luca got better. Murray's got better. Tony Perkins is better. The only one that really hasn't got better is his son. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a tough deal. And I think a lot of it is, like you said, it's just, we get to the tournament and nothing ever happens. Um, but, and then people keep saying, well, before him, but that was also been 15 years ago. So right. and you can't keep bringing that up. Yeah. He, he resurrected the Iowa program. Yeah. He's kept it relevant. Um, we had, I mean, this is one of his worst years in a long time. He's always at the 20 win mark, knocking on the door to make the tournament. It's just, we never do any damage in the tournament. I mean, we had a run there at the big 10 tournament, but yep. there's a big difference between that and making a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Look at Iowa state, the years they win the big 12 tournament, they don't do anything in the big 12 or in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> the years they don't win it, they do better. It's, it's almost yeah. like. Yeah, don't win the Big 12 so you can do better in the NCAA tournament. Did you see where they're, uh, the Big Ten's not going to allow the bottom three teams yeah. in next year? So so that's weird to me because 15 teams in a tournament is odd to me. Yeah, or is, it, it's a I double. mean, I'd have to see the bracket, but that, that just seems odd to me. Like 16 makes sense, so you, you leave two out. But 15 it's seems a weird. How I'm to, sure it's staggered, so I don't know yeah. for sure. Does the one seed could, get three buys? I don't know. I don't think so, but I'm not 100%. Let's get the Gonzaga's conference. They basically give the top seed buy all the way to the finals darn near because they want to get their best team in. Well, I that's think. their only, yeah. I mean. But I just like, I mean, odds are that 18, whatever, that 15 or 16, 17, 18 team in the Big Ten is not going to make it, but college basketball is always that one sport where you always have that one little glimmer of hope. Oh, still yeah, you just make a run. It's everybody's in just like that's the difference in, you know, high school basketball than high school football. Every, I don't care. You, you can go. zero and 21. If you win in the tournament, you can win a state title. You, there is that option. You and football, obviously you can't cause you don't, not everybody make, but you know, high school baseball or softball, everybody's in. Yeah. You know, and you have fun. a chance. It doesn't matter what happens during the regular season. And and that's always been a basketball thing, too, in college. There's that tournament. You've got a chance. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish they'd let everybody in. because And, like, you go to high, high school, there is a little bit of a – if you get, you know, a major injury to a star, you might yeah. be 4-17, and 17, but you bring back a Division One talent or something all of a right. sudden, week to go. Um. <laughs> Who knows? You could go on a heck of a run, but right, yeah. I mean, you think about a, a kid that got hurt first, second week of football, you know, out eight months, you know, and injured September first, March first, or you know, or February first, they're back, you know. Yeah, I hear. Well, uh, just a quick story on that: Appling and Parkersburg, uh, where Aaron Thomas is the head coach. Yeah, his son broke his ankle or wrist i don't know before christmas like six games in um and he's gonna return but it's he's gonna return like uh, a week before um and he was like 400 points shy of breaking the school record 
and he's not going to do it. But who do you think holds the school record? His dad. His dad. So <laughs> he can't break the record because it, unless he goes on one hell of a run in the tournament. So, uh, but yeah, that's it's kind of funny. I'm sure his dad wanted him to break the record. But, oh yeah, but it, uh, he'll he'll give him crap now. I'm sure for it. Yep, that's for sure. So, but yeah, with yeah, just something like that where. Do they still do rank them games five through fifteen or whatever? So that's that'd be a situation. Maybe they're six and zero, ranked second in the state. He's hurt. You know, through those ten games, they go two and eight. You know, so their record isn't very good. They don't do that anymore. They use okay. they use the whole season up until I think this weekend is where it ends, and they have like an advisory committee. Yep and they come out with a weekly ranking now you can see their like the state has their own top 10 rankings now and they want to separate the top eight teams right. as much as possible they're trying to do it more like the girls because the girls do a great job of that they're going exactly like the girls they're just they're looking at it they're it's just hard when if you get like four teams that are you know within 40 miles of each other let's say which could happen um and they're all ranked in the top eight I don't know how they're going to do it, but the girls, I mean, the girls have done it where they, what I think they separated, was it Boyd and Hall and Hall Western Christian met in the state championship somehow. So it, it can be done. Right. Um, They want to get the best teams there, which I understand. So that draws yeah. the crowd too. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about any more high school stuff or anything? That's kind of your, your expertise here. For those of you who have listened here before, any. You know, you're obviously assistant on the boys' side now. Uh, any Southeast Iowa basketball, anything? Just kind of been a crazy, obviously a crazy winter oh. here with teams, you know, are making up games left and right right now. I mean, we have back, we have three straight 90-minute bus rides that we get to look forward to here in the next few days. So that's going to be fun. But it's, like I said, it's winding down. Tournaments will be here soon. I mean, Kind of in our area, you got, I don't, teams that I think that could make a run on, well, the girls' side, I think Eddieville is going to be right there. To make yeah, Eddieville, if they don't get to the state tournament, that, that will be a disappointment. Their draw came out, and it looked pretty good to me. Right. Yep, I saw that today, too. Maybe North Mahask would be the one they run into. And you they know, do the, play them coming up. Yeah, they do. Um, boys' side, uh I'm good Kyoto. I mean, I know their record's go. really good, but are they are they legit? Yeah, I mean, I just don't. I wish they would have put some tougher teams in their non-conference just to kind of get them a better test. But um, they're going to be. I think they're ranked fourth, so they're going to have one of those draws where they'll be set up to make a make a deep run. It's just a matter you got like North Lynn that's close, uh, Winfield Mount Union. Um, how are they going to Linville Sully? All of those they're going to have to separate because all four of those are in the top eight. So we'll see, but you know, Kyoto well, Linville, has a nice Linville. They can send send west, obviously, and Madrid's out there, and they're in the top eight as well. So I don't know; it'll be interesting. That all comes out, I believe, Monday is what I'm hearing um, for one A and two A. And two A, I would think Pella Christian's going to be right yeah. there, and yeah. they're probably a top five team in the state. Yeah, so, absolutely. They just quick. they they benefit from that conference so much when it comes to tournament time. Yeah, I mean they're they'll 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 come out of there with you know four or five losses, but they're losing to Dallas Center Grimes or Pella, and yeah. no offense to Eddieville, but those teams that they're playing are not Dallas Center Grimes or Pella. They're playing right. Cardinal and Centerville, yep. yeah. and some of those teams are good. Clark's good, Knoxville's good, but they're not Dallas Center Grimes good. So, and I think. PC handled Eddieville pretty good in uh, yep. the regular already. So yeah, first game of the year, I'm pretty sure. But so. who knows? I'd like to see Eddieville make a run on the boys' side. I think this is, you know, this is yeah. That, that last, you know, we were at the game last year. They were that was that was tough to tough to swallow. Yeah, they had that one in the bag, and I know they're you know they worked hard for this year, and uh, this is their last shot, I think, for a few years. So they're gonna. Hopefully they can get a decent draw. I'm guessing they're probably going to have to pull off an upset somewhere to get through, but you never know. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, thanks again, Zach, for, for joining me and, and helping, helping out without Trevor. And, uh, we'll talk to you probably this weekend sometime. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Rockies and the sailors' mouths and the boys in the back of the bus.